this winter I've become an expert at checking moisture content. Because I follow a couple of meteorologists on Facebook and I really want to know how much snow is this storm going to produce and how much snow are we going to get out of this storm. And so they talk about moisture content and how they figure out how much we're going to get. And the other day I thought about to myself, you know, if I was working so hard on finding out the moisture content of the next storm and use that energy on checking the moisture content of my soul, what a different person I might be. Because for some reason, it is easy for us to get dry spiritually and not even know it because we're not even checking. And yet Jesus comes to us like he came to the woman at the well and says, I am the living water. I am the person who will refresh your soul. And so our call this morning is to check our moisture content and come to the living water and fill up. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to be with us as we receive that which you would have us know on this day. I pray most earnestly that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable to you, for you are our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. Have you ever heard of anyone naming their kid Nicodemus? I was thinking about it, and I don't think I ever have. There's a lot of Nicholases over the years, especially 15 or 20 years ago, but never a Nicodemus, and he was so extraordinarily important. Nicodemus elicited from Jesus with his questions the core of Christian belief, but Nicodemus was tied up in knots. He represented the death trap, and perhaps we all know that, in shutting out grace with the law. And it used to be, and I'm aware that it still is this way with many of us and with many of us at different times, that goodness is more about a law broken down into rules than giving and receiving love. And God out of love did give us the Ten Commandments and the rules so we wouldn't destroy ourselves and we wouldn't destroy other people. But by the time this account came to pass, the law itself is what had become sacred. There was a right way to do everything. There was a law for every facet of human existence. Religious meant adhering to the burdens of the law. If following the law is what made people good then the incentive was huge to become better and better and interpreting and abiding the rules. And Nicodemus was an expert at this. Leaders of his stature devoted their entire lives to examining the fine points of the law. For instance, and I read about this account that actually did take place for a couple of years they were trying to figure out is it, a lawful, is it lawful to tie a knot on the Sabbath? If your kid falls down a well and the only way to get him out is with a rope with knots to help him climb, is it lawful to tie these potentially life-saving knots on the Sabbath? And they never came to a conclusion. What existed was acute rule anxiety and fertile ground for judgment, 
What the covert question always was is, did you, could you follow the minutia of the law? And then there was self-loathing if you couldn't, and a tendency to judge other people if they couldn't, and law-abiding tied people up in knots. And we carry the residue of this. There's a right way to proceed, and I don't care how open-minded and generous of spirit we are. It is there. It is deep. We actually do believe that we know the right way. For instance, when I do pre-marriage counseling, we include some family systems awareness, especially this thing called cult of the mother, which is the ingrained, unconscious right way to do things. And I have seen people in my office get worked up over whether or not you should use a sponge <laughs> or a dishcloth to clean the kitchen counters. And everybody knows it's a sponge, right? <laughs> but the worst one was over ketchup. Because one person's cult of the mother says you use Heinz and another one says you use Hunts and they were absolutely both sure they were right. And Dick Moore on the way out said, but Heinz is associated with the Steelers football organization. <laughs> and so I said, so you're adding yet another rule? What could possibly elevate us out of bondage to sacred rules? What could possibly do this? What could lift us above it all? Rebirth, being reborn, being recreated to love one another, being introduced to a way of grace, a way of life. I believe that Nicodemus was sick of his life, his prestigious, powerful existence as a member of the Jewish ruling council. He was captivated by Jesus, the miracle worker, and I believe he was captivated by Jesus, the lawbreaker. Nicodemus did seem to recognize that Jesus was from God. And the entrenchment that human beings find themselves in, if there's any part of us that can say, even if it's just a molecule that can say, Jesus, help me, God, help me, which Nicodemus was able to do with his questioning actions in the dark of night. If we can do this, there's hope. If we know that we are bound up, and if we know we are burdened, then possibly we have the ears to hear. Jesus' response to Nicodemus' interest in him, he said to him, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Born again. Recreated. Restarted. Nicodemus does not have obvious access to the spirit. He seeks logic for that which transcends logic and is understood through the Holy Spirit, because it is of the Holy Spirit. He asks, how can a man be born after he is old? Does he actually re-enter into his mother's womb? And he wasn't making a mockery. It's what Nicodemus did with his life. He asked endless questions in midrashic form. How can a man be born after he is old? Does he re-enter into his mother's womb? And the answer to all his questions was standing right there in front of him. 
And it was God in Jesus Christ. And Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. When Jesus always spoke the truth. And when he actually said, I tell you the truth before his statement, what he means is this. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of the water for purification and the Holy Spirit. Well, let us focus on the Holy Spirit for just a minute. Spirit gives birth to spirit. We cannot place the Holy Spirit within the human understanding or he, and it is a he, will leave us. We cannot nail the Holy Spirit down. As soon as we try to figure him, the Holy Spirit, out, he will elude us. Using finite human capability to figure out God ultimately does not work. And every theologian who is in Christ will tell you of theology's limitations. There is no law that can harness and or inhibit the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not exist in the law's reality. The law is part of our creatureliness. The Holy Spirit is God. In offering oneself to and connecting with the Spirit, we discover that God uses the Holy Spirit in concert with human intelligence. And we discover that there is an element of creativity. And we discover there is refreshment, freedom from what we thought were limitations. How many times have you thought and thought and pondered only to pray about something and the answers were right there? I remember someone telling me once that she went to the Holy Spirit and she discovered that people were out against her. Well, I can tell you that after 30 years of hungering for the Holy Spirit and depending totally on the Holy Spirit, I have never once heard the Holy Spirit tell me anything that did not give me true spiritual relief. You're okay, he says. There is abundance here, he says. There are no limitations. There is enough. There are enough ideas. There are enough resources. There are enough people. It's okay. The Holy Spirit is about abundance, and the Holy Spirit is about the magnificent fruits. What can always be said of the Holy Spirit is, there is much, much more, including and especially new life. Complexity of flavor. One of my favorite shows is Top Chef, and they talk about depth of flavor, layers of flavor, the Holy Spirit does not work on the surface of things. It goes deep. It's not restricted to time or place. It brings all eras and layers of existence together, and it takes us where our brains alone cannot go to a flavor we have never tasted. Music and art exist to prove this point. There is something bigger at work here. We become part of something when we are in the Holy Spirit, and our existence becomes layered and flavorful. It, life not only extends, but broadens in each moment. It's a technicolor wake-up. Patina is a spiritual concept. Layers of love and life give depth and texture. That's why we never strip or refinish antiques. We don't want to destroy the luster. And you might ask, well, what does this have to do with the Holy Spirit? 
everything. The Holy Spirit contains it all. The past, the great cloud of witnesses who are here with us now, the present, this moment that we have, this moment that we own, the future, the vision we have for the future did not come from us. Creativity, nonverbal, too deep to understand, God revealed in Christ. And his message to us is, let me in. I stand at the door and knock. Let me in. And at Pentecost, when they were all gathered, those who had let him in, the spirit rushed in. Rebirth. When we couch rebirth in laws or rules or try to have some kind of system about how to be reborn, about doing it right, then we shut the Holy Spirit out. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it but cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And Jesus says, there are the earthly things and there are the heavenly things. If you stick with the earthly things alone, you will die. But receive the Holy Spirit and know there is another way, another life, one that, thanks be to God, we cannot manipulate. But through love and grace we may receive. It's a life that does not die. Let him untie the knots. Let us pray. Lord, the words you have to say are real and lasting and transformative. Let us hear again that you so loved the world that you gave your only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Help us to receive your spirit and recognize that in no way whatsoever we are not God and we need to surrender to you. We thank you. We thank you for what you have done in Christ Jesus. Amen.